Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, food therapy fam. We are so excited. I feel like we say that at the beginning of every episode, but I genuinely am always very excited to record episodes. How are we doing? How are we doing, Britt? Oh, we're doing great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm always excited to have these conversations and hear your perspective. And yeah. Yeah, it's kind of therapeutic for us almost. Completely. <laughs> but today we are chatting all about food guilt. So a lot of times Brittany and I have clients that struggle with food guilt, feeling like I shouldn't have eaten that. I shouldn't have had that. I can't eat that. Uh, or when you have a binge or you eat something that you quote unquote shouldn't have, it leads to this feeling of guilt or shame. Mm-hmm. So we're chatting today all about how to break that cycle some things that you can do to uh, feel better about the foods that you're eating and create a more neutral relationship with food rather than this good or bad situation. Yes. And I think that morality and how we even label foods are so important to how we think about food. So if you're, so for example, if we say cookies are really bad and my belief is cookies are bad, and then I go ahead and have a cookie, of course, I'm going to feel guilt. And so the point is we want to be able to neutralize all foods so that one food doesn't have any more morality or value over another. And we're not saying that certain foods aren't more nutrient dense or you know, some foods aren't satisfying, more satisfying than others. We're simply saying that on a morality level, like moralistically speaking, food isn't good and food isn't bad. They just serve different purposes. Yes. I think that's a huge thing because that's something I always get pushed back on is like, how can you say that like cookies aren't bad? And I'm like, okay, yeah, they might be less nutrient dense than something like kale, but that doesn't make them bad. They might serve a purpose of they make us happy or they're included in an experience that, you know, you go to a birthday party and you're enjoying cookies or, you know, food is not just about, yeah, we want it to fuel us, but there's so many other components around food, like experiences and memories and all these different things. So satisfaction too, I think is huge. Yes. So if you have to, you know, have only vegetables in your salad, you are going to feel like you didn't eat enough and you're going to be grabbing for a snack a minute later. But maybe if you had salmon and you had rice and you had veggies and you're satisfied, but maybe you need a a cookie afterwards to make you feel even more satisfied, right? It depends on like what you have available. But a lot of times I'll need something sweet after and that really helps with my satisfaction so that I can, my mind can come off of food and I can get back to work. Yeah. And I love calling it like taste hunger. You might not even necessarily be hungry, 
but the idea of having a cookie sounds like so satisfying in the moment. And what I think is so interesting is, and Lauren, like I'm sure you've experienced like food guilt yourself. Like I know I certainly have experienced food guilt. And I remember, you know, when I was thick in my disordered eating, I went to my doctor's office and she said to me, she wanted me to journal my food because she was very concerned that I was being very rigid with my food habits. So I went to my doctor at the time. She was my internist and she was concerned because I was deep in my disordered eating and she recognized that I was being very rigid with my food intake. So she asked me to journal and I came in like the next day with my journal. I was so proud of it because I thought I was eating perfectly. And she was like, where are the cookies? Where are the chips? Where are the sweets? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, where are like the fun foods in your, you know, in what you're eating? And I never connected up until that point that they serve a purpose because all I was thinking about up until then was like, I have to eat the healthiest foods that I could possibly eat. And anytime I did the other type of like fun foods, I felt a lot of guilt and shame. Did you feel any guilt, you know, when you would eat certain foods? Yeah. I mean, to the point where, and honestly, you're so lucky that that happened to you. I completely agree. That a doctor recognized that. Like for me, it was always so hard to break away from these habits because I was like you, where it was like, look what I'm eating. And I was so proud of it. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, you're so healthy. That's incredible. Right. But if someone would say to me like, uh, why aren't you eating cookies? Like, that's kind of weird. What like enjoy your food. It would have been very different. So yeah, I, to the point where it was really debilitating, like, I don't even know if you would call it guilt at that point, like to the point where it was like, I'm going to make cauliflower bread. I think I talked about that in another episode. And when it didn't work out and I had guilt before I even ate the thing, right. Again, Mm -hmm. like to the point where I would have a freaking panic attack because I wasn't quote unquote allowed to have something. And if I did have something, there was always some sort of, you know, I have to exercise to work this off. I have to get this all in now so that I can be completely good tomorrow. Right. Right. So I think that's important to point out too, is that there's these different forms of guilt, right? It doesn't have to be like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. It can be beforehand. It can be, oh, I'm going to work it off. So it's fine. So you might not necessarily be like, oh, I feel so guilty for eating that, but you might be like, oh, I know I shouldn't have. So I'm going to go work out. Like that's just another form of guilt. It doesn't have to be in the form of, okay, I feel guilty for this kind of thing. Like some form of like compensation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Like if you were to think about guilt, like people often feel guilty for, you know, certain acts that they commit. So it's like a failure to do something or they should have done, or they think is morally wrong. So again, it goes back to the beliefs and the beliefs are so important here because, you know, our beliefs really drive our thoughts with drive our behaviors. So think about, you know, one thing that you can really do after you listen to this, or if you want to pause this podcast right now, think about one, what are your beliefs around food? So do you think that certain foods are good or bad? Do you think that you should eat certain foods or certain certain groups of foods better than others. And then I also want you to think about where did those beliefs stem from? Do they come from grandma or mom, dad, friends, school, social media? Because I think it's so important to really identify the beliefs, but then also like where the beliefs stemmed from as well. 
Yeah. And I think too, another layer to that is where they stem from and what is that person's credential? Did they go to nutrition? Did they go to school for nutrition for Mm -hmm. six, eight years? Uh, Probably not if they're telling you that you can't eat something. Right. So looking to resources that really do have you know, experience in all this and know the science and all those things. And I think that's great for dealing with the belief side of things. And I also like to use a form of kind of like exposure therapy with food guilt. So I like to tell people, tell my clients to make a list of the foods that are causing that guilt for you from a list from least scary. So it's like, okay, like I don't love when I eat popcorn, but like, it's not the worst thing in the world to like, I refuse to eat a milkshake right? Drink a milkshake, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. I like to eat my milkshakes with a spoon, which is weird. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, and then you use exposure therapy because each time that you incorporate that food and don't do all of them at once, but each time that you incorporate one, starting with the least scary, you start to realize and expose yourself that nothing bad's going to happen and it's okay. So right. that's something that I like to use. And then um, journaling it out, like how did that feel? How did that mm-hmm taste? Did it make you feel overwhelmed? Did it make you feel anxious? Did you enjoy it? Have you missed that food? Did you overeat it? And if you did, that's totally okay. But reflecting on the experience, because a Mm -hmm. lot of times uh, this work is increasing your awareness around these types of foods and just understanding, okay, where did this belief come from? Like Brittany was saying, and why does it have so much power over the way that I'm eating and really reflecting on it. And yeah, love that. I think it's also really important after if you plan to like have this food to have something to focus on after. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to have something, get involved in something because that's going to train your brain to be like, okay, so we have this food and now there's no time for the guilt. So then your brain is like, oh, we don't do that anymore. There's no guilt associated with food anymore, right? It's just like, oh, we moved on. We went for a walk and listened to a podcast or whatever it was that you needed to get out of your head. I love all of that. And, you know, we want to think about the fact that our thoughts are not necessarily facts. So oftentimes we, you know, take our thoughts as fate's value. It's like, oh, like my thought is a fact, but our thoughts are not facts. And what we want to think about is a negative thought is one, not a fact. It is usually distorted in some type of way. And it has to be written as a statement in order to be subjected to some of this like rational scrutiny. So we want to think about, you know, is this factual? Where do we get this from? And also like, let's use the example, I shouldn't have had chocolate cake. Well, who said you shouldn't have chocolate cake, right? And that goes back to the beliefs as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my grandma used to tell me like chocolate cake is this bad thing that I shouldn't have. Okay, well, you know, how can we reflect on that and somehow move forward? And I love, you know, what Lauren was saying, making a list of foods that seem like least scary to most scary and start to use exposure therapy. So you can see like, okay, it's actually not that scary overall. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I hear the fear of, well, if I start eating a certain food, I'll never be able to stop. But there is something called habituation. And so over time, the food isn't as stimulating. It's not as exciting. You know, Evelyn Tribbley once said, think about someone saying, I love you for the first time. The first time you hear I love you, it's like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. loves me or she loves me. Like this is the best thing I've ever experienced. And then you've been dating for like a few years or even a few months. And it's like, oh, he said, I love you. Love you too. (laughs) It's not as exciting. 
Yeah, it's so true. And to remember that, again, going back to that that food has no morality and constantly asking yourself why. So kind of what Brittany was getting into there where it's like, okay, who said I couldn't have chocolate cake? Okay, it was grandma. Well, then what are my beliefs about chocolate cake? Yes. Okay, well, my beliefs are that it has sugar and sugar is bad for you. Why is sugar bad for you? Do you have an answer for that? Probably not. And, and also to add one more, Lauren, it's like, has chocolate cake ever hurt you? Yeah. That's like seriously though, like have, yeah. have you ever been like wronged by chocolate cake? Yeah. Now I really want chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's if you keep asking yourself why you're going to get to a point where you're like, I don't have the answer anymore. And mm -hmm. that is something that can show you that it's not rooted in facts. So a lot of times our brains can make us think that there's a certain fact about something. So for example, if you're like, I shouldn't have chocolate cake and sugar is bad. If you get to a point where you're like, sugar is bad because X, Y, Z, 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 then it's more of a fact, right? But there's no reason that sugar is bad. And if you have an answer for everything, that is more of an indication that, okay, this might be a fact, but chances are you're going to get to a place where you're like, mm, I don't really know. The other thing too, that's interesting with facts, a fact is often objective, right? Yeah. It's not subjective. So a fact would be our bodies need carbohydrates. Right. That's a fact. Right. Um, and if you said like, sugar is bad for you. It's, it's not a fact because, right. you know, we know that our bodies need sugar and actually carbohydrates contain sugar that right. give our body energy. Right. So think about it in terms of like subjective and even like objective, like, is this rooted in factual data? Is there data to support this? Exactly. And a lot of times what's going on is these things are stories. So being aware, again, building that awareness around mm -hmm. the story and what is that story trying to tell us? Yes. Yeah. I would say, you know, again, like the awareness is so key, having the non-judgment. So being, you know, curious with some of your beliefs. There's no, there's no reason to judge yourself or those beliefs, but can we build some type of awareness and some curiosity around it? And then lastly, like having some self-compassion. If you've been told certain beliefs, for the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's hard to break from those beliefs. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. It's actually quite possible, but it's going to take time to build those new neural pathways. Yeah. It says if you're building a highway system, think about a highway system being built. First, you have the like the dirt path, right? It might be in the forest. Then you start to build onto the gravel. Then you start to build different roads until you create this massive highway system, but that's going to take time. So it, it really does take time when it comes to our own thoughts and beliefs around food and our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's those neural pathways. Like you said, like think about the amount of time that you've had these thoughts it's not just going to happen overnight. I also like the analogy of like when you go sledding in the snow, right? So the snow is really deep and the first kid goes down. I guess it doesn't have to be a kid. We can go, we can go sledding too. <laughs> but the first person goes down and they create a pathway. And then most people are going down that same pathway. And it's going to be harder for to make a new pathway. 
right? Because then the, another person has to go down and make a new pathway. So right. it's so much easier to go down the same path because it's already there. So that's kind of think of your brain in that sense. And I think that a good way to create these new neuro pathways is to create thoughts that support the pathways that you are, are wanting to go down, right? So uh, I wanted to give you guys some affirmations to work on creating those new neuro pathways. So something could be as easy as I honored my cravings and it felt good, or I deserve to honor my cravings, or I will acknowledge what my body needs and give it what it asks for. There are no good or bad foods. Every food has a purpose and will fuel me either mentally or physically. I will trust my body to tell me what it needs. So all of these are really helpful just to create those more positive thoughts around food so that you don't constantly feel like you're doing the wrong thing because chances are you are not. There is no wrong way to eat. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love those affirmations. And you know, if you find yourself in a situation where you're noticing a lot of guilt and shame and negative self-talk, you know, I always like to say, like, think about what you would say to a friend. If a friend came to you and said, you know, I had a cookie and I feel really guilty about it. Would you say to her, I can't believe you had that cookie. Like, why would you do that? Like, no, like none of us would have friends if that was the case. (laughs) So think about, you know, the way you speak to a friend and how can we start to talk to ourselves like that with the same Mm self-compassion, you know, the same curiosity and the same like gentleness to it. Yeah. I think even more powerful, like if you have children, that's always a motivator. Like, Mm -hmm. what would you tell, what would you tell them? Would you tell them you're not allowed to eat that? You're not allowed to have carbs? Like, especially since children are the most intuitive that you can get, like they know what they want. They will scream and cry when they're hungry and they will push you away when they don't want it. Right. So how would you facilitate that with them? Right. So overall, you know, we are holding space for those who do feel guilt and shame around food. We both have certainly been there. We've worked with so many clients who've also been there. But what I can say with confidence is we've seen people come out on the other side and they really are able to reframe their thoughts to a point where they can have that level of self-compassion and non-judgment when it comes to food and their bodies. And I have absolutely no doubt in the world that, you know, you will be able to do the same. Great review and subscribe. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review, let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at Food Therapy Pod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.